almost wore a peacemaker today. Not a peace sign. That's that's pathetic. That's pathetic. Because it because at times there's there's times when the when strength is the best way to ensure peace. And I'm grateful that men have been willing to die for that cause. Um, we are all blessed by that. We should all be grateful. Unfortunately, we should take that more serious that they died so that we have the freedom to to worship here today. Um, they died so we had the... There's many countries, obviously, where they didn't, you know. John recently, John gave me recently the Fox's Book of Martyrs and I started reading it. Um, I didn't, hadn't realized that it was really such a um, universal book in people's, people's lives um, up until um, 100, 150 years ago or so. It was pretty universal. I mean, there was, Churches, I guess you call them, where they had it in the pews, chained to the pews, so it didn't get taken away. You know, doing it. I mean, it was Fox's Book of Martyrs talks about. It was written in the 1500s, and it was actually um, kind of goes through and starts from the first church, from the apostles, starts from there, and then goes through currently as it's been up, updated and revised, um, and. You know, there are people, people have given their lives. We need to, unfortunately, there's been a tremendous amount of um, using, using the name of, of Jesus, the name of God, to um, justify imperialism and justify some other things which have given it a bad name. The Crusades, I don't think the Crusades were too godly. In fact, I'm pretty convinced they weren't. Um, but I do believe that God established this country in a supernatural way. I believe that God founded this country, uh, drew people from Europe that were under religious persecution, were not able to worship um, God in the way the Bible calls us, weren't able to worship the God of the Bible. They began to, to um, they faced tremendous opposition when the king said that he was the head of the church. They, 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 they faced persecution. They faced death. I mean, we have really little idea. Unfortunately, I think we've <clears throat> taken it far too much for granted and not realized that no matter what the political tempo or the ruling politics dictate, uh, we're all in a war. And in that war, how we fight that war is important. Uh, we're called to be peacemakers. That doesn't mean pacifists. Um, being willing to lay our lives down for um, for what God calls us to needs to be what we're willing to do. And whatever that looks like. And I believe that there's defending this country has, for the most part, been um, been a right calling. 
and a worthy calling and something that we should have been worthy to do. And there's many men that that we should honor today. Uh, grateful for their service, grateful for their giving their lives up so that we could raise our children and our grandchildren in a country um, where we can teach them the Word of God. Tragically, we've let our our freedom turn us into apathetic, selfish people in this country. Um, and that's very wrong. That's very wrong. We should take more seriously the fact that people have died in order for us to have this freedom. So, with that, let's pray. You are you're the God of peace, and yet that peace was was gained with great violence. There's nothing in our interpretation of peaceful that, that happened at the cross. There's nothing in our interpretation of peaceful that happened prior to the cross. There's very little outward peacefulness that that has happened in this world. Um, since the cross, before the cross, since it began, you've always called your people to to be willing to lay their lives down. And anybody who doesn't recognize laying your life down for the word is is potentially having great violence, great suffering. <clears throat> it's pretty pretty unworthy Um, God I thank you for giving us the freedom in this country that you have to to worship you to serve you forgive us for being passive selfish people please forgive us for being passive selfish people cause us today especially to regard the sacrifice that men and women have made and died and laid their lives down to give us the freedom to give us the Opportunity to live under a, a, a rule of law, I believe a divinely inspired constitution, not like the Bible, but definitely inspired by men who pursued you and sought your wisdom. Um, this, the foundation of this country was one nation united under you. And I'm sorry that we have turned that to united under the God that we worship now, and that's us. God, I ask that you would cause us to to realize that as we are called, that we are blessed and we are happy and we are called to be peacemakers and that as sons and daughters of God, we will be peacemakers or we are not sons and daughters of God. You are the God of peace. Cause us to realize that 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 we live in a violent world where Satan is in charge, where he controls this world, he controls our flesh, and he has demonic forces that fight furiously for his kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. And if we are going to stand as sons and daughters, we are going to be opposed. That is the way it is. So, I ask you to give us a little clarity in my weakness to be able to convey your truths, I ask that you would to speak to our hearts, inspire us to be soldiers, 
for your kingdom. God, I thank you for for causing men, for calling men to be willing to give their lives up. Some of them at a very early age, at the beginning of life, really. Um, so that we could worship you freely, so that we could serve you, so that we could seek you. God, cause us to run with that with all our mights and take advantage of that freedom, not selfishly live out that lack of persecution and become apathetic about it. Cause us to realize that in this day we need to be fervent in taking advantage of that with our children, with our grandchildren, so that your kingdom can be promoted, your glory can be promoted. You can be honored as who you are, because that's what it is. So teach us from your word, teach us through your Holy Spirit, soften our hearts, cause us to realize that we are all charged to be peacemakers. And if we are unable and incapable of doing that, we are not sons of the Most High God and we certainly need to be born again. Amen. Matthew 5. Again, it's something that we should all realize is the is the description of our lives and what our lives should look like. So, let's, let's read this description of what God says the character of children of the kingdom should look like. Verse 3 of chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are you, those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the before you. We this this week it, and again we're I think that it's well been well worth it. In fact, I feel very um, con- the need to ask continual apology for not filling out. Um, the tremendous theology that is projected in in these beatitudes, um, but we will, as I would best say, we'll touch on them, and hope we're challenged by them, and hope that as we go through our lives reading them, we will be inspired and inspired to pursue what they mean, um, because this is the description of the Christian, um, and this contains tremendous doctrine and tremendous theology that is spoken straight from the mouth of the one who spoke this world into existence. Jesus, who in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is not David. This is not church doctrine. This is not church dogma. This is the words of Jesus, our King. Um, We should pay very much attention and we should long to know what he's talking about. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. As I inferred 
last week, I, I believe there's a correlation um, between the first three and the ones after that. Blessed, I believe that that correlates with blessed are those who are gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, and blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. This was in stark contrast, stark contrast to how they perceived the Messiah coming. Remember, this is Jesus talking to the multitudes, the, to, to, the, to the thousands of people, probably. And they, they, were, they were even considering taking him by force and making him king. Okay? Because Jesus was, Jesus was not exonerating himself as the king. He was calling himself the king, but they didn't understand. That would mean the overthrow of the Roman government. That would mean the overthrow of... of the tyrannical rule of Rome. Um, and they, the, the Jews were very violent, perceiving that it needed to be violent in order for that to happen. They needed to overthrow the rule of Rome. They believed that the Messiah was going to bring in rule where they would be exalted and exonerated um, in this world, where they would rule the world from Jerusalem. And they, understandably, on some ways, how they got that from the Old Testament. Um, you know, I, I think that we would be pretty arrogant to to read the Old Testament and the coming of the Messiah and not come up with somewhat of the same conclusion. Um, I think you probably would, okay? But the issue is, were they led by the Spirit of God, okay? Um, most of them weren't. There was a few Jews, a few very knowledgeable Pharisees, um, very knowledgeable teachers of the law, people who understood the law, and and just common Jews, a few people in the priesthood who were led by the Spirit of God and therefore were enlightened. This is the Messiah. There was some who recognized the Messiah, but a very small percentage recognized the Messiah. Um, I'm not sure how different that is then than it is today. and Unfortunately, but their perception very much, the Jews, was when the Messiah came, he would set up his kingdom. He would set up or his earthly kingdom. He would set up rule and reign of the whole earth. He would set the Jews free from any outside oppression and they would be king of the hill. Um, that was not his intention. That was not the Messiah. That was not Jesus' intention. Jesus didn't fail in what he came to do. He came to set up his kingdom, right? Did he establish his kingdom? He did establish his kingdom on earth. Absolutely. Okay. The church are the subjects of his kingdom. And if we are not under the rule and authority of King Jesus, we're not under the rule and authority of King Jesus. We're not the children of the Most High God. His kingdom does coexist, and what they didn't realize is that his kingdom would coexist for a period of time, because there will be a time when he will come riding in. The depiction is a big white horse with a sword, button taking numbers. Okay, he is go- he is going to to cast Satan into into hell forever. Um, he is going to judge all rebellion, past, present, and whatever till whatever time that happens. And he is going to set up his rule, and we will all be subject, obviously, under his rule. At this point. We still are to be subject under his rule. As, as people of the church, as those who call themselves Christians, who those who say they're born again, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, 
we are absolutely to be under the absolute authority and rule of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, his kingdom is established. We have a problem though. It coexists with the kingdom of darkness. Okay? That's something they didn't understand, that it would coexist with the kingdom of darkness. The world, the flesh, and Satan and all his minions, all his demons, are still alive and well on this earth. Okay? They still are fighting for dominance and control and to take people to hell. To, to lead people in eternal separation. Satan has the ability and the right and the authority to use the things of this world, the wealth of this world, the power of this world, the structures of this world, in order to lead us away from God. Our flesh is born in subjection to the ruler of darkness. Okay? In spite of what the world says, we are not born good. We are not born with good hearts. We are born in hearts that are desperately wicked, the Bible says, in rebellion to God. Now, we say, well, but this little child hasn't gone out and killed anybody or hasn't committed immorality or hasn't even said any bad words yet. They can't even speak. It's is born, what? Egocentric, right? A child is born egocentric. A child is born believing that they are the center of the universe. Okay? And unless corrected, unless taught the truths of the Word of God, unless taught the truths of submission to the authority over you, submission to the authority of your father, a child will live out their lives believing they are the center of the world. The purpose of parenting is to lead our children into understanding that submission to the authority of your father is a place of blessing and joy and peace and comfort and security. And outside of that is rebellion to God, subject to the king of evil, to the king of darkness, to Satan. Okay? So, the, the, I made a statement last week that I believe is very true. Contemporarily, we believe that we are basically born good and it's our environment that causes us to be evil. It's our environment. And if we can just restruct our environment, if we can really change the laws, if we can just put you under this law or that law, or if we can just change the way things are around you, that you will be good. Change the way you think even, that you will be good. Again, never forget that Adam and Eve rebelled in a perfect environment, in paradise. Okay? They rebelled in paradise. Right? There was no bad environment. There was no, there was no bad things happening around them that caused them to be bad. It was paradise. They had a perfect, unbroken relationship with God, unbroken relationship with each other. Okay? And they sinned in rebellion to God. They made the choice. Okay? Rebellious to God. Fortunately, all of us are born with a sin nature. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry. I'm willing to talk to you about that. That's what the Bible states. We're all born with a sin nature. Okay? We're all born in rebellion to God. That is the way we are. There is no inherent good person inside of it. We're born in rebellion to God. So, what does it mean? I, I really just want to focus for a few minutes on, on what does it mean? Blessed are those Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We have some very wrong understanding of peacemakers. We tend to think of those 
that um, are are willing to make peace at any cost. Okay, I would I would I would be very careful that that peace the, the contemporary view of of a peacemaker would be someone that doesn't have a correct view of justice, that doesn't have a correct view of righteousness, that doesn't have a correct view of God. A peacemaker is somebody who will have to be willing to lay his life down. And outside of that, for what he believes is true. Okay? This is not somebody who who is willing to say, well, I don't really stand for anything and it's okay and whatever you believe is okay and whatever I believe. We live in an age of relativity where there are no absolutes. Um, you know, we, we revived the, the peace sign, right? We, the hippies concept of, of peace. That there, in, 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 in unfortunately, tragically, tragically, what that comes from is there are no absolutes. There is no right and wrong. Um, justice is relative. That, that we, that we don't stand before an almighty God any way that we can know peace is to stand right before an almighty God. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Okay? And, and be very clear, the contemporary gospel, unfortunately, would tend to lend itself to that worldview. Because we tend to interpret grace as God overlooks sin. Pardon me for repeating myself, but I will continue to repeat myself. Grace has nothing to do. God has never overlooked sin. God is not okay with sin. God does not look the other way towards sin. God killed His Son. God came in the form of man, laid His own life down in order to create peace with Himself. Understand what a peacemaker is. Okay? God, in order for us to understand what a peacemaker is to look like, it, we have to understand what God did because God made peace with Himself His sacrifice. The gospel of peace is, is meaning that we can have peace with God. Okay, and We don't have it by our goodness. We don't have it by our works. We don't have it by what we can do. We have peace with God through His unmerited favor towards us. We have peace with God because He came in Jesus and died a violent death for us. He laid down His life for what was right. This wasn't, He didn't come so that all religions could get along, so that everybody could get along. The song that we sang this morning, I, 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 I don't know, it could be in some ways walking outside of here, it should be a struggle. Okay? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. That is not very politically correct, is it? Right? That is not. Are, are you willing to go sing that outside here? Are you willing to live your life under that? That's what the Bible says. That is the truth. The God of the Bible, Jehovah God, is greater. He's stronger. He's higher than any other. Okay? That should be the context of our life. That has to be the foundation of our peacemaking. Our peacemaking cannot be, oh, it's okay if you believe the way you believe. It's okay if you believe the way you believe. It doesn't really matter. 
God's a loving God. He accepts everyone. No, he doesn't. The Bible is very clear. God is God. And that his nature and his character are shown to us through the Word of God. If we don't believe the Word of God, we're already in trouble, okay? Because his nature and character are shown to us. There is right and there is wrong. There is absolute. There is black and white, okay? It is not all relative and it certainly is not subject to our interpretation. It certainly is not subject to how I feel about it. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm all right or any of us is all right in our understanding of God. I think that would prob- we'd probably be pretty confused. God is eternal. God is infinite. There's a whole bunch to understand. In my life of pursuing God with the full intensity of my life would produce how much of an understanding of Him? Very small. Very small. Minuscule. He's infinite. He's infinite. How much of His infinite nature will I know? Does that change the fact that I am to pursue Him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength for the totality of my life? No, it doesn't preclude that. We, I am to. We all are. What does God say that he, that he does within his church? What did God say? How he would function with the church? Did he say he will set up a priesthood who will tell you what God thinks? No, he didn't say that, did he? He said that he will establish his body with limbs, with arms, with legs, with brains, with ears, with eyes. All of us who are the children of God, he will give gifts in order to teach, to encourage, for him to be able to minister to each other and so we, that we function as a healthy body. Led by the Spirit of God. Okay? There's, there's, a, there's a few verses that I want to read, a few, few sections of Scripture that I want to read. And, and I would ask you, the, the Bible is absolutely wrought with this. That God is the God of peace, and yet there's a lot of violence, isn't there? Read the Bible. It's a very violent book. Okay? Why is it a violent book? Because Satan exists here. Okay? Why, why, why will man in and of himself outside of God never have peace? He won't. Whether it was the nations that failed, whether it was the United Nations, I disdain Okay? There, it's, it's a pathetic organization that is godless and thinks that it is going to bring peace through somehow how it orchestrates man's behavior. You know what it fails to see? Man is wicked. All of man's wars, all of man's problems are because he's selfish. Okay? I want. I want to dominate. I want what you have. I control you. I want to be set up as, as the supreme being whether it's country, whether it's individuals, right? All of wars, all of the, the, the problems of nations against nations and, and of world people against people, of people oppressing other people, whether it's on the street or whether it's is nations, come from a wicked heart, okay? We're not going to bring peace through man-made institutions. Now, I believe that this country was established and I'm very grateful. I have no doubt you know, my generation to some degree was still raised with this was founded as a nation under God, under the authority of God. 
why it says in God we trust, that didn't mean Muhammad. That meant Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Okay? That, 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 and that's, that is the way it is. When, when, this, when it's set up to pray in Congress, they weren't talking about praying to Buddha or praying to Muhammad. They very specifically meant that we open up Congress praying to God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh. You may disagree with that and think, that's not the God I worship. I'm sorry. That's not the God you worship. That's not the God you worship. But that is how this country was established. If you go back and... This isn't a question. We are rewriting history. And be very careful with your children. Be very careful with the people that you run into to, to comply with it, to, to, to believe the lies or even accept the lies, okay? That we are... That this country was not founded. It was, it was by, it was founded by deists and godless men and people who didn't believe in God. Okay? That's a lie. Alright? Was there some men that didn't know God? Yeah. Was the predominance of those foundational people that signed the Declaration of Independence? Okay? Were they, were they men who believed in the God of the Bible? It was thing that happened in this country. Never been a country founded like this country. Okay? Never been a one nation under God. No king. The current administrations. Not king. Right? We are, we are a nation of law and we are under the Constitution. We are men who are supposed to live under the authority and rule of God. And that's how this country was established. We believed that we were to be by a group of our peers because our peers understood what was right and what was wrong based on the Bible. Okay? That's how it was established. It's a tragic system that is failing desperately because the, the purpose of the, 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 the directive of a jury now is how to find people who have no values, who have no perception of right and wrong, who, who, who are easily swayed by, by a great orator. Okay? And that, that goes completely contrary to what way our country was established. Right? That we, we weren't, we weren't under the, the authority of a king. Okay? We were under the authority of a rule of law. I, I don't believe that that's, so I believe fighting for what God has established has validity. I believe that it's honorable that we have done that. I believe it's honorable men have laid their lives down. Do I believe everything that every serviceman that every president, that every part of a country has done has been honorable? Obviously not. There has been many men of the flesh. Okay? Alright? But do I believe that, that fighting to preserve what God has done, being willing to lay our life down, is, is valid? I do believe it is valid. Alright? But when it comes to us individually, it, this is a very, very important thing. There is a difference between Social justice and individual personal relationships. Alright? Do I believe in the death penalty? I do believe in the death penalty. And the Bible speaks strongly about, about establishing, um, fear in the heart of men so that they don't do wrong. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. Okay? The Bible says that. Alright? That you should have the fear of losing your life if you cross certain boundaries. Right? And what does that produce? That means 
That means people stand in fear and check themselves in what they're going to do. Alright? It's a known fact. Interview criminals in, in prison. Ask them, if you knew somebody had a gun in the house, would you break in and rob it? What will they say? No. No, we would not. Why? Oh, you might be held accountable for your actions. Right? Do they want to be held accountable for the actions? No. Do they think they're going to get away with it? Absolutely. Okay? If they, if they thought they were going to be held accountable for their actions, they would check their actions. Okay? That's the principle that God has put in us. What you reap, you sow. Alright? God, that's the principle of this earth. Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. Plant corn, you're going to get corn. Okay? That's the way it is. Alright? You don't get wheat when you plant corn. Alright? Same thing. You, you plant violence, you plant selfish violence towards somebody, you reap violence, okay, in doing that. There's a different, so do I believe in social justice? Yes. Does that have anything to do with me forgiving? Does that have anything to do with forgiveness? We are absolutely mandated to forgive, okay? So, and, and that is the way individually we're supposed to. If somebody wrongs us in any way, Am I obligated to forgive? Absolutely. In fact, he says, he says, and forgive us our, when he teaches us how to pray, what a right response to God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, who have debt against us, who have sinned against us. For if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, God does not forgive you. What state are you in if God does not forgive you? I could think of some words, but but you're desperately in trouble. Okay, you're, you're eternally in trouble. If we do not live under the forgiveness of God, we are all doomed, damned, eternally. Okay, so he says forgiveness. That is the principle. Does that have anything to do with social justice? My my, it's the same way with war. Okay. Is it valid to go to war? It's valid to go to war. Okay? Does that have anything to do? Is this a personal hatred towards the other side? He says to love our enemies. Period. Does that mean you might have to shoot them? It does. Okay? But our response is to be love, not hatred, not anger, not disdain. There is a difference. And when it, when it comes to, when it comes to being a peacemaker, we have, the foundation of where we stand from is there is absolutely right. Our God is greater. Our God is, this is not, this is not arrogance. It's only by the grace of God that I'm able to have a relationship. It's only by the unmerited favor of God that I'm able to have a right relationship with Him. That I can be a son of the Most High God. That I can be a son of the King. This is not my deserving. This is by God's mercy and my God, by God's grace. God's compassion towards me. God's forgiveness. God killing his own son in my place. That's what a peacemaker is. Okay? God wanted to reconcile us to him. Making peace is about making reconciliation. Okay? We are always trying to, to take enmity and bring harmony. Okay? That's what we are to be as peacemakers. That's what God is. God is the God of peace. Again, let me read a couple of there, there's a in, in Matthew five. We'll see the attributes go on 
contemporary gospel believes that God. If I say the right words, if I know the right words, if my doctrine is correct, if my doctrine is sound, then my relationship with God is right. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? Your doctrine does not determine a right relationship with God. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Always. So if our if our heart if our our doctrine is useless, I don't care how correct it is. I don't care what you say that it's. Okay. It has to it has to be what determines our life from the. The Sermon on the Mount is going to address that because the Pharisees were very big on what? Correct doctrine. Correct theology. I mean, they knew the Bible. Put any of us to shame, guaranteed. You know? Don't, please don't ask me to memorize Leviticus. Okay? They had Leviticus memorized. Alright? Alright? Maybe Deuteronomy if I, yeah, bit, not Leviticus, please. Okay? Or Numbers. Without chapter, without verse, without nothing to, to, to memorize it. Some of the Pharisees had the first five books, the Pentateuch, memorized. Big problem. A real big problem. They killed Jesus. Crucified the Messiah. In all their head knowledge of what the Bible said. Why? didn't match what their word said with their mouth. Jesus says, he talks about this peacemaking. And I just asked you to perceive this to take in because we'll, we'll get to it in the next weeks. But, but this is very, very important. God, God says, how happy are the peacemakers they will be called the sons of God. The sons of God will be peacemakers. Okay? This is a very appropriate stance of peacemaking. And let me preface it momentarily. By there is no way peacemaker while the first beatitudes are not correct in your life. If you are not poor in spirit, okay? If you are still self-ish in any way, okay? Self-preserving, self worth. Have those things, you will never be a peacemaker as God's called you to. Okay? Only hope peacemaking of reconciliation is there's none of me in it. Okay? That, that, that I have laid my life down. I am not offendable. Right? I am not offendable. You cannot do something to offend a dead man. Right? And we are to be selfless. Peacemaking becomes very simple. That does not mean we won't be killed. We won't be a martyr. We won't be persecuted. We just read one of the Beatitudes are blessed are those when evil is set against you. When people revile you. Right? When people falsely persecute you. Wait, if I'm a nice guy, everybody's like me. 
be very clear. This has nothing to do with our current view of nice guy. Our current view of nice guy. You know what a nice guy is, in my opinion? An incredibly selfish, dangerous man. Okay? By our modern, that doesn't mean you're supposed to be mean, act mean towards us. No, we are commanded to be loving. Okay? But if my motive is to be nice, that means I want people to like me. Because nice is determined by how you feel about me. Right? And if I say something you don't like, you're not very nice, am I? Right? We, 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 nice guys are selfish men who care more about how people feel about them than they, they feel about other people. Our churches are full, full of nice guys. Not this one, there aren't very many nice guys here, but, but our, our churches are full of nice guys who think more of themselves and how they're thought of and how they're regarded than they do the welfare of other people around them. Is a nice guy trustable? No, because a nice guy doesn't have absolutes that he lives by. Okay? A nice guy is a guy you can't trust with your back because he doesn't stand on what is true no matter what, even at the cost of his life. Okay? He is willing to compromise in order to be a nice guy. That is not what a peacemaker is. Be very, very clear on that. Okay? A peacemaker, though, some man who does not regard his rights is needing to be defended. Here's a good example of it. You have heard that it was said in 38 of chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And some people would, would regard this as being, is, is exonerating pacifism. Okay? As we see it. Don't go to war. We can't fight. Okay? I do not see that at all. There's a difference between Social justice, and God says we have to live in social justice because we live in a fallen world. We live in a, in a world where people, if, if we were all subject to our King, Jesus, we don't have to worry about this. We aren't going to have war. We aren't going to have murder. We aren't going to have stealing. We aren't going to have adultery. Right? But we do not live in that world. We live in a fallen world with fallen souls that are manipulated, controlled by Satan. Okay? That's not pretty. And if you think that's pretty, your eyes aren't very open. Okay? It's an ugly world, no matter how it manifests itself out there. In that, but this, what this is speaking of is the individual's heart. Okay? And how do I respond personally? You, and this isn't, you know, and unfortunately, as, as little boys, our moms all tried to tried to figure out how this applied to us about getting fights in the playground, okay? And, and so we tried to figure, okay, what does it mean? Do I fight? Don't I fight? How do I, how do I act? How don't I act, okay? Turn the other cheek. What am I supposed to do there? And all of us as little kids going, do we have to do that? What, what, is, what am I supposed to do here? Okay? How, how am I supposed to respond when somebody does something? Do I think that the principle that he is saying here is very true? Absolutely. Do I think it very often has anything to do with being in the face? I don't. Okay? But there are a lot... Consider what a slap in the face does. Okay? There's nobody in here that a slap in the face doesn't go... Right? Doesn't... There, there, is, there is nothing like being slapped in the face that will immediately bring what up? Self. Okay? There is, it brings self up. 
doing it if we're in the flesh. Alright? That, that is a, there, there is no, that's why it's always been. How do you challenge somebody to a duel? Slap them in the face. You know? Because they're gonna get the guns out. We're gonna end this right now. I mean, this has always been, and always is in us, and that's what Jesus is saying. When you are confronted with something that charges your emotions to self-defense, it charges your emotions to, to take control. What, what, is, what does the Son of God look like in that situation? You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Quoting Old Testament, okay? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You shall love your neighbor. The hate your enemy part was added. Pardon me. That's what the Jews believed. It's okay to hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is that... Does that have the character of a peacemaker? That is what a peacemaker, that is the character and the nature of a peacemaker, what we're called to be. Love your enemies. And that doesn't mean like your enemies. Again, right? We, We need to be careful, again, with our interpretation of love and hate. Right? Because when we, when we, when we infer our cultural definitions of love and hate into the Bible and read the Bible, we are going to be very misled, almost universally. Okay? Never forget that. Alright? Because our contemporary views of love and hate do not align themselves with, with misio and agape, with the Greek word used in the way they're defined here in the Bible. Alright? Those, those don't necessarily have anything to do or have very little to do with feelings. Alright? When it means to love your enemies, what does it mean? To like them a lot? No, he didn't say like them a lot. But he did say to regard them as more important yourself. He did say to see them as lost souls. He did say to have mercy and compassion and grace towards them. Okay? Because there's none of me. This is not about me. This is not about how I feel or how I've been offended or how I've been wronged. It's about forgiveness. Remember this. Son, a son is going to be like his father. Okay? When it says that we are sons of God, we are to be like God. We are to act in the character and nature of God. Okay? Don't, don't misinterpret that to say we are going to be God. Okay? We are not going to be God. Right? We are not going to be gods. Okay? But as, as sons and daughters and sons understand that's non-male-female. That's speaking about um, those with the inheritance of a family. That's speaking about, excuse me, children of God. Is we are sons of God. Sons is a mature child, typically described. But as we are, as we are sons of God, we should emulate our father. That's what it means. We should act like our father. Like father, like son. Right? We all know that statement. Like father, like son. Okay? That is, there could be 
No more statement that we could hold our lives to. That we could repeat to ourselves and say, like Father, like Son. As you are God, so am I to be. Right? That is the way it's supposed to look. So, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor, it's your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be what? Be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So what does it mean to be? That's peacemakers will be known as sons of God in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise, his Son, that's the big ball of fire, Son, to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? Inferring the godless, okay? And godless, the selfish, the people of this world. Greet your brothers only. What do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Like Father, like Son. Okay? We, we are... The, 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 is there any way to do that when we regard an offense against us? No. When I get slapped on the cheek, that's an obvious invitation, isn't it? I don't know. We could try it. But... <laughs> That, that's an obvious invitation in the flesh, okay? To act, okay? But, what does God say when we're offended? First, let me, let me read something real quick, what love looks like, because we're to love our enemies, right? What does it mean to love our enemies? That guy that just took our coat, took our shirt, that guy that just slapped us in the face, that guy that just highly offended us, or that girl, or whoever it is, okay? What does it say that we're to love in 1 Corinthians 13? Okay. The first part of this is very important and I would challenge you to, to meditate on the first part of 13. We all know the, the chapter to some degree, the love chapter. But I would challenge you to, to understand it. The first part talks about if you are Mr. Christian or Mrs. Christian, okay? know all prophecy, know all knowledge. Okay? I mean, all, it says, all. All right? If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, pretty eloquent, certainly way better than me, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, okay? All mysteries and all knowledge. That's kind of, that's a kind of the, that's pretty elevated, isn't it? All mysteries and all knowledge. What does he say? But if I, and if I have faith, all faith, so as to remove mountains. Literally, he's not kidding. Literally, he's saying, that mountain over there, move. And it moves. Can God do that? Yeah, God can do that, okay? Does he say, I can do that if I have faith? He says, I can. He's saying, having faith strong enough to say that mountain move and it moves. Okay? We're talking kind of the real deal here, okay? All knowledge, all faith, what looks like the real deal. So as to remove mountains, but do not have love. What are you? Not quite measuring up, not quite doing it. What does he say? You're nothing. You're nothing. It's in vain if the foundation of your life is not love. Okay? If I give all my possessions, we're not talking kind of generous here. 
all my possessions to feed the poor. This is a self-sacrificing person, right? And if I deliver my body to be burned, I'm, I'm a martyr, truly a martyr. And, and I would challenge all of you to, there's been a lot of martyrs for the name of Jesus. There's been a lot of people who truly have laid their life down for the name of Jesus. But do not have love. It profits me nothing. Okay? What is love? What is this slapped on the cheek? What is this take my shirt and give you my coat? Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Now, does this look like a man full of self? Or does this look like a man who is selfless? Okay? This, this is a man who is selfless. This is essential. This is a man who is born again if you're going to fulfill this, right? Who has died to himself. Who is alive to God. Who has given his life to God. It's not his own. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. This is what he says to love your enemies. Love does not brag. Is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Is not provoked. It doesn't say not easily provoked, does it? It says is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered against it. Does not take it into account in its response towards someone. Okay? Does not take into account a wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness when people are acting out, being evil, being mean, being vengeful, but rejoices with the truth. And how stable is it? How foundational is it? What does a peacemaker look like? What is the necessary character of a peacemaker? He bears all things. Now this is not... Be, be, be very careful here. To not say, oh, that's what we look like today. We just kind of believe all things. Everything's kind of relative. And, and I, we're not to judge. We're not to, we can't judge right and wrong. We don't know. No, that's not what it's talking about. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. And love never fails. That's what our lives are to look like. That is the character of a peacemaker. That is how we are a peacemaker. Right? I don't take into account a wrong suffered against me. That's how I'm a peacemaker. God commanded me to love. And if he says to love your enemies, we obviously are to love those around us. We are to love each other. We are to love our brothers and sisters. We are to love our neighbor. Those are commandments, right? And if you want to know who your neighbor is, read the Bible. Jesus was asked that question to find it, right? It was those who are in front of your face that have need. Right? He gives the story of the Good Samaritan in doing it. doesn't matter. Who does God put in your life? Are we led by the Spirit of God? Am I directed by the Spirit of God? Do I trust that God is leading my life? Who does He put in my face? Right? Does He tell me to love them? He does. Right? What does that mean? Lay my life down for Him. It means act this way. Bear all things. Believe all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. Not that you're hopeless. You quit. And love never fails. Are any of us capable of acting like this in ourselves? 
Are we capable of acting like this when we are subject to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? When we are empowered by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. We are. Why aren't we? Because we're not subject to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because we have not crucified our flesh. Because we have not, we've chosen to be disobedient and selfish. Okay? That's, that's the answer when we're born again. Okay? When, when that happens, do we have an advocate with the Father? Yes. What does that mean? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, that's not what it means. Okay? It means, God, I am wrong. I have wronged. I have acted wrong. Please forgive me. I repent from it. I choose to not be rebellious towards you. Away. He knows God. What does First John say? And yet practices sin. What does he say about that? He says he's a liar. That's what he says. He says he's a liar. Okay? That's not David. It's not politically correct either. I'm supposed to feel sorry for you because you're living in sin. Uh, no, I don't. I feel compassion and grace and mercy if you're under the authority of Satan. I do. But there's a choice. You can serve the Most High God and He sent His Son to die to set you free from the bondage, the captivity, the rule of sin. In your life. Okay? Period. That's literal. That's practical. That's peacemaking. That's the ability to, when we... Right? World peace? Who is the prince and the power of this world? I, I don't want to say that we should not try to, to establish a country where people have freedom and protection and, 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 and the rights given or, or the honor given them as, as created in the image of God is protected and defended. Okay? But let me just say this. We have gone a long ways. We are murdering babies at the rate of 3,300 a day. I do not believe in the sanctity of God creating life in the value in the nature of this country. Okay? There should be nothing apathetic in our hearts about that. Something is wrong with us. Okay? No sense in doing that. Let me read a couple other places. We'll end there. Okay? Romans Let's go to Romans 8. I have a bunch, but we won't get to it. I'll try to be, I'll try to be nice to our guests. Romans 8. It's, it's amazing to... I, I'm talking to Steve Martin. Some of you know him. He was the, the shepherd here before me and and we we went through some pretty I, I don't know how many there's some of you that were at some Thursday nights and when we went through discussions of Romans 6, 7 and 8 and what that looked like and what that meant and some of them were pretty heated and that was good um, the foundation of his ministry right now is Romans 6, 7 and 8 
He goes, David, I got it down to about two hours now. Okay. It, it's, it's sweet to see. There's some really, there's some really wrong interpretation of Romans 7. It says that Paul was in bondage to sin. Therefore, me being in bondage to sin is okay. The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I want to do, I can't do. You forget the fact he says, who will set me free from this body of sin? There is an answer to that. Okay? There was already an answer to that in chapter 6. We can be freed from the bond of sin. Okay? From the guilt, from the shame of sin. We can be set free. Okay? By the resurrection power that raised Jesus, put new life into Jesus. This, this is what he says, can put new life into us. Supernatural new life into us. Okay? God is not okay with you being a sinner. Romans 7 was talking about, he starts it out and says that, that he was speaking to Jews who knew the law and by the law were trying to establish and enter into a right relationship with God. Okay? In the futility of their own flesh, knowing the right thing to do, but unable to do it in their body. And it was captivity, and it was torment, and it was a relentless struggle. And then the gospel is. Then the truth. And, and that was the state of some level you, you had, so what did you do? So you killed animals and spread their blood all over. Obedient to God, right? burning flesh and burning animals. It, it was something that was very impactive on your soul. Okay? God intended it to be very impactive. Innocent little lambs, throat slit. Sin, sin offerings were taken outside and burned. Oh, you didn't eat them, you didn't do anything with them. It was just a sacrifice for our sin. The necessary of innocent blood shed for our sin. Looking forward to Jesus. That Paul speaking that in that it was not able to free us, but Jesus, but Jesus died, and Jesus came back to life, and that resurrection power can now be ours. So, verse in chapter eight, five and six. Okay, for those who live according to the flesh, and this. Let's be very careful here to not categorize based on what somebody says with their mouth. Because when when 85% of this country says they're Christians, okay, there's a lot of people saying something with their mouth which is not true with them. Alright? That's just the way it is. Alright? So, just because somebody, we, we tend to say because they say it with their mouth, they're not talking about this. No, forget it. Let's look at life. Look at your life. Look at, look at life around us, okay? That's what it's speaking of. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. That's the peace we're talking about again. Alright? This, this, this peace is peace with God. That's what he's talking about, peace. is peace with God. That's the only hope for world peace. Someday it will happen because we will all be at peace with God. Those who are born again. 
And those who are not at peace with God will be separated. Okay? Separated for eternity. Right? We can have, we have peace with God. Okay? Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. That's not peace. The mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. Right? And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's not a maybe. That's what it is. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Alright? The Spirit of God dwells in us. That's a phenomenal thing. We are the tabernacle. This kind of glory now dwells in us. That's a profound thing. Okay? That we are to be, if we are born again, we are the tabernacle of the Most High God. Does that look like an outhouse? Let me just guarantee you something. A holy God does not live in an outhouse. Okay? He just doesn't. So to think he's living in that blue room of our soul is not true. Is not happening. Okay? You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Oh, but see, there it says it. The body is dead, but the Spirit's alive. So, I can have, we tend to think, so, that means my head's right, but my body's wrong. So, that's okay. That's how God says it is. Really? Let's keep reading. That's a big word, but. So, you can't understand that. If the Spirit of Him... If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, okay? This is the born-again state. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells in you. New life. Born again. So then, brethren. So then, brethren. We are under obligation. Oh, wait. I thought we have free will. I thought we're in grace, not the law. What's it say? You are under obligation. Really? Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if the spirit, but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all, for, this is a very important word, okay? This is an absolute. Paul, divinely inspired, writing this down, preserved for us, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay? These are the sons and daughters of God. What is our life? Are we led by the Spirit of God? Because if we're led by the Spirit of God, it will look like it. Right? It will look like it. I can't say I'm led by the Spirit of God and my life looks contrary. Because I'm lying. The Bible says, you're lying. Okay? If we're led by the Spirit of God, our life will look like they're led by the Spirit of God. In all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Like father, like son. Like father, like son. Let's read a couple more real quick and then I'll quit. First, 1 Corinthians 6. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6. I wrote 1 Corinthians 6 down, but I know it's first. I wrote it down. 14. 
Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light and darkness? Or what harmony has Christ and Belial? Okay. Or what has the believer in common with the unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Remember that outhouse? The blue room that the God doesn't live in? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. This is the, this, you guys, this is a profound promise. If we could, if, if anything should bring joy to our hearts, if anything should bring happiness and hope, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst. Come out from the midst of this world and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. That's a... I don't know anything that we should write in our hearts any more vivid than that. God is promising that to us. God is giving us that opportunity to be sons and daughters of Him, says the Lord Almighty. That's profound. Let's look at one more. First Thessalonians. You can go there or listen either way. So First Thessalonians 5. Here's what it's supposed to look like too. Twelve. This is Paul speaking again in the divine inspiration. But we request you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly. Oh, wait a minute. No, excuse me. I'm sorry. Harassing you. I could say that to guys. I shouldn't say that in public here. Sorry. You esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Okay? Commandment. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly or the undisciplined in the spiritual things. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. And be patient with all men. See that... Verse 15. See that no one repays with evil for evil. Right? See that no one's behavior is determined by the wrong done to him. See that our behavior is not determined by other people. Our behavior is determined by obedience. See that no one repays another evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Always. That is our motivation. This is what our lives are to look like. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances or prophetic gifts, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Appearance of evil. Okay? Now may the God of peace 
That's how God describes himself, okay? The God of peace. Is that the same God that opened up the world and sucked in several thousand men, women, and children out in the desert when they were rebellious towards him? Same God of peace. Same God of peace. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, make you holy entirely. The word is that, that, that same word is holy. You may, and may your spirit and soul and body, okay? That's kind of the whole deal, right? That's the package, right? Your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he who calls you and he who will bring it to pass? Brethren, pray for us. Guys, get this. Listen up. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Okay? You kiss me on the lips, I'm going to smack you right in the face. Don't do it. Okay? Greet each other with a holy kiss. Okay? That means we're supposed to be affectionate. That means we're supposed to be towards each other. I, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. How happy are the peacemakers. Very, very to the Jews at the time, right? Because they thought Jesus was going to come. In fact, Baptist, right? Now this was, this, this guy was the real deal. I mean, that looked like a freak. I'm sure he did, okay? But he was the real deal. God said, of men born of a woman, there is not one higher than this one, okay? That's a pretty big deal. I mean, he spoke really highly of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said what? Sent some messengers when he was in prison before he got beheaded and said, um, are you the one, Jesus? It doesn't look like it. I mean, you don't look like you're getting an army together. You know, you don't look like you're going to overthrow Rome. Right? You don't look like you're going to take this by force. Because Jesus will come back and take it by force. Be very clear. Okay? Jesus is not a pacifist. He will come back and take it by force. Absolutely. With all the force of God. Okay? He will come against evil and unrighteousness, Satan, and those who are not children of his. Okay? And he thought that was going to happen. What's Jesus saying this kingdom that we're living in going to look like? Okay? We take it by force? Or we take it by selfless love? We take it by laying our lives down for each other. Right? By being willing to be martyrs. We don't know what that means much and what that looks like. Okay? But let me... Here. If, if you stand for the things of God in this world, you will have enemies. You will be persecuted. If everybody likes you, woe to you, he says. Woe to you if everybody likes you. Why? That's the way they treated the false prophets. Woe to you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Because that's how they treated the prophets. The true prophets. Okay? If you stand for what is true in this world, how does it stirring up trouble? We're admonished to love. We're admonished to, to not regard an offense against us. To not take a, into account a wrong against us. Okay? 
That's how we're peacemakers. The bottom line to all that is we need to be born again. We need to recognize our wretched state of existence, our complete inability to be peacemakers when we are selfish, self-consumed, self-propagating, self-protecting, self-protecting people. God, your kingdom is something that doesn't look like this world. And the people of are not going to look like this world. We're not just supposed to be worldly people with a suit and tie on. We're not just supposed to be pagans who are forgiven. We're supposed to be saints or holy ones. And we're called to be that. And this world will hate us because of that. Not because of our self-righteousness. It hates most Christians these days because we're self-righteous. Because we don't judge the people in our own family. We don't look and help and care and are concerned for the well-being and the submission and surrender to Satan and evil. We don't care about that amongst our own people. We just say, you're under grace and who am I to judge? But we judge the outside world. We judge and condemn them for smoking and drinking and going to the bar and acting like heathens and pagans when they have no hope and no choice. And they are led that way. And instead we should have, as you did, Jesus, mercy and compassion and grace. We should be peacemakers with them. We should be peacemakers with each other. We should be peacemakers in our home. We are called literally to be peacemakers, to represent you. Because sons of God will be peacemakers because you are a peacemaker. You have made peace. You have given us a free way to have peace with you. Our selfishness and our sin. Provide a way of escape that we can be saints, subjects of the King, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you for that. Have to stand that our God is greater, and our God is stronger, and our God is higher than any other, and that does not have anything to do with my worth with who you are. And as a result, I have great value because you've allowed me to be a son of the Most High God. But you've given that free gift to everyone else too. Your son comes up on the righteous and the unrighteous. To the righteous, to the godly and the ungodly. You desire that no man perish. Jesus died for the sins of all men. And our compassion and our grace should be like yours, never ending. God, please show us 
show us our sin, our pride, our defense of ourselves, our feeding of ourselves. Please show us. We can be born again so that we can be peacemakers in our homes. But in your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God, I thank you for that. Amen.